WMCHD3 Detroit, KMPS HD3 Seattle, WBMX HD3 Boston, and on AOL Radio and Yahoo Launchcast. So what are you thankful for? The I'm Thankful Network explores the positive. Join host Sue Lundquist Tuesdays at noon Eastern Time, empowering women, empowering lives. The I'm Thankful Network on New Sky Radio. Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern, the Dr. Pat Show is alive with a distinctive blend of interviews with a mix of uplifting and intelligent news, educational, and practical information. Get in the know. Following Dr. Pat, join host Laura Lee for Laura Lee's Spirit Salon. Contact your dearly departed spirit guides and angels to find answers, closure, guidance, insight, revelations, and prophecy regarding matters of the heart by contacting the other side through acclaimed medium Laura Lee. You are not alone. Batter up. Life's a game. Win. Call and get advice from today's top coaches that are here to help you win the game of life. The Coach Me Network is live starting at 5 p.m. Eastern Time. Call in early. The lines are hot. 248-545-7685. Instant feedback at NewSkyRadio.com. NewSkyRadio. NewSkyRadio.com. New Horizons. No Boundaries. Powered by CBS, Yahoo, and Radio.com. Psychic Radio is now CBS Radio's The Sky. Back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Call now. 248-545-SOUL. New SkyRadio.com. Believe. Why would an entire family be abducted, apparently, by aliens? Why did they feel they were being indoctrinated? Who was the reptilian? Sounds like a movie. But hello there, and welcome to the 302nd edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. I'm Ben, and this is the first of our two shows dealing with this remarkable experience of the Reed family. Well, Thomas, we've had a little trouble connecting with him tonight, but he's, he's supposed to be calling into the studio, so we'll, we'll just kind of get started. Uh, Thomas Reed is the son of a prominent Connecticut... Hmm, prominent Connecticut lawyer and politician. In the 1950s and 1960s, he and his brother, Matthew, were just two participants in what has become known as the Reed family abduction case, which has been called one of the best such cases ever officially investigated by the Mutual UFO Network, or MUFON. The case also involved their mother and grandmother. Thomas joins us tonight for the first of two shows to tell us this story. His website, by the way, www.tomreed.info. And, uh, <clears throat> okay, um, actually, all right. Well, we don't, um, well, maybe we could take a break at this point. Is that possible, Detroit? And then we can uh, see if we can't raise the guests in another way. Yeah, let's go ahead and take a break, and uh, we'll see if we can get a hold of the guest. Okay. Pass the road to your house That you never call where they turned out your lights They will say you'll never know I remember running through the wet grass Falling a step behind Both of us never tired Desperately wanting When they pumped out your thoughts Filled you full of those girls Never quite 
So what are you thankful for? The I'm Thankful Network explores the positive. Join host Sue Lundquist Tuesdays at noon Eastern Time. Empowering women, empowering lives. The I'm Thankful Network on New Sky Radio. Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern, the Dr. Pat Show is alive with a distinctive blend of interviews with a mix of uplifting and intelligent news, educational, and practical information. Get in the know. Following Dr. Pat, join host Laura Lee for Laura Lee's Spirit Salon. Contact your dearly departed spirit guides and angels to find answers, closure, guidance, insight, revelations, and prophecy regarding matters of the heart by contacting the other side through acclaimed medium Laura Lee. You are not alone. Batter up. Life's a game. Win. Call and get advice from today's top coaches that are here to help you win the game of life. The Coach Me Network is live starting at 5 p.m. Eastern Time. Call in early. The lines are hot. 248-545-7685. Instant feedback at NewSkyRadio.com. NewSkyRadio. NewSkyRadio.com. New Horizons. No Boundaries. Powered by CBS, Yahoo, and Radio.com. Psychic Radio is now CBS Radio's The Sky. Back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Call now. 248-545-SOUL. New SkyRadio.com. Well, we're back. I'm afraid we have had some trouble connecting with our guest this evening, Tom Russell of the uh, Reed, Reed, I should say, of the Reed family abduction case. Quite famous, uh, although not famous enough in our opinion. So we will see if uh, he manages to call into the studio. We gave him instructions to do so. And in the meantime, let's go to our plan B and uh, begin our discussion based on some emails. We always have plenty of emails to go over on the show. All right. One thing, I, before we... I hope we really won't leave the topic of the Reed abduction, but it was funny, Ben, that, uh, you know, I'm always talking about my, my childhood probably boring you with, uh, regaling you with tales of the Connecticut Valley. But I remember a lot of stories coming out of the town of Glastonbury where some of this occurred, this Reed case, when I was, when I was a kid. And also, um, Mr. Reed was, I think we're probably roughly the same vintage. But there were stories of, uh, in 1952, I wasn't born then yet, almost, but 1952, there were stories of, uh, there was a crashed jet fighter that supposedly was chasing a UFO, crashed in Glastonbury. The, Glastonbury, of course, being in central Connecticut, not far from Hartford. And there were all sorts of stories of sightings of lights and all this kind of stuff. It, it's a very interesting area, and part of this occurred. So hopefully we'll, we'll get uh, Mr. Reed on, uh, and we'll be talking about the whole adventure over several generations of this family. And it is, as we said, one of the best, if not the best, documented cases, according to MUFA, the Mutual UFO Network. But anyway, let's move on to some emails here, and let's. Um, this one is from Bobby. Pemberton says we can use his full name in Westmont, Illinois. Okay. So, Bobby, writes to us. Um, hello. I now understand why I have caught entities on film, and just by using light and contrast, I can sometimes see more than one figure seen in the same space, or multiversal space. You wouldn't believe what I've seen, or maybe you would. Thanks so much, BJ Pemberton. That's quite interesting. The whole question of photography is is kind of interesting. People say, well, you know, Paul, you always question uh, EVPs, electronic voice phenomena, where people supposedly record uh, quote-unquote spirit voices, which is a sort of a, an oxymoron in a way, because how, if you have no vocal cords, how can you have 
voices, but I, I don't know. I, I, this is a matter of multiversal and entirely physical phenomena, in my opinion. But the, So they'll say, well, if you don't like the idea of EVPs, then how come you like photography so much? Well, it's not a matter of liking. I, I think EVPs are extremely interesting. I think people go hog-wild with it at times because most of the people investigating this stuff have no qualifications whatsoever to do so and should be playing soccer instead or interested in raising roses, perhaps. Uh, but in any case, uh, I do take uh, photography because I have a lot more training in photography than I do in um, EVPs or this sort of thing, and although we do kind of use both. So uh, we have uh, Bobby here pointing out the catching entities on film, and the question arises, well, how does that happen? Uh, ben, chime in here at any point. The camera, particularly digital cameras too, and, and, and ordinary film cameras, depending on the kind of film you're using, will, of course, see many, many uh, more spectra of light often than our eyes will. So that is one explanation for why this is people are picking these strange things up on film. Uh, when you see the film developed and you have a, a, fo- a photograph or you have a digital image, uh, then what, what, do, what do you think when you look at these things? How do you go about telling whether it might be something anomalous or whether it's just a hunk of dust or something? Well, being a teenager, I can often tell the difference between what is photoshopped and what isn't. Mm. And... It- it's, it's very easy to tell things are photoshopped, even if someone's really good at it. There are, well, most photographic experts today, like nowadays, usually are trained in uh, how you say, like, how, like, where to find, like, the seams or someone, like, like, copies and pastes something in. There's also, like, timestamp things. Timestamp, is that what it's called? I don't even remember what yeah, it's called. Yeah, yeah. like, on, like, the bottom corners and stuff, and you can usually tell, and it's like, oh, well, that's real, that isn't, and then. I don't know. I'm not like I'm not a photo expert. I mean, you had training in it. I I had well, training in film and darkroom techniques and stuff like that. When you know, but you're still the, more familiar with it than me. Yeah, yeah. So I'm not like an authority to be like this is real and this isn't because it's not really my area of expertise. Well, no, again, no one can really say. In the old days, I remember particularly when we were doing the the uh, the famous Village of Voices case. My first one in 1971. We had a photo lab and in town there and we went to them and they were able to uh, even then take a negative and say well this is a reflection probably or this is not but no nobody can say for sure what these things are but if it's a, um, a lens flare or, or common uh, phenomenon that might occur in photography that, then that's something but with digital photography there, there are several points one is that a digital camera will interpret certain things and will produce something that kind of looks like what it thinks it is. At least they're, they're really... Even if they're not sophisticated, they do kind of interpret. Yeah, even we, even our brains do that as well. No, very true, just like our brains. You know, artificial intelligence in a camera, just what we need. Anyway, there's that. But there's also the point that... And a lot of people don't realize this, that if you take a digital photograph, there is some, um, I suppose you might call it metadata, or information that is recorded with that. And uh, w- what we we have with that is that you can, l- uh, particularly uh, modern, uh, the most up-to-date versions of Photoshop or many um, uh, imaging packages you can get for the computer will uh, be able will let you look at that information, and it will tell you whether the photo has been manipulated or not. I, I find that awfully handy when people send things in. Uh, we had one fellow who sent something, and this goes back a few years. But uh, I'm always uh, running into Elvis Presley somehow. Uh, <laughs> well, no, I mean, uh, not, not in the way people think, but 
a number of years ago, I was called into uh, – some people were, were making a, I don't know, tape, videotape or a movie about Elvis Presley, and they called me in as a – an expert on the subject of weird things, and they said, "What? Look at this at, the, at Elvis Presley's grave," and it looked to me like just a kind of a reflection on the polished stone of the grave. I said, "Is there a, an internal flame or some kind of thing?" And they said, "Aha! Less, <coughs> excuse me, less than a minute." And they had had other alleged experts in who had said, "Aha! It's a ghost or an angel." I mean, give me a break. It was, any fool could see that it was just the the uh, flame reflecting on on, on the stone. Uh, and then Elvis uh, came up later on when uh, someone sent in a picture of this angelic-like figure. It wasn't the same thing I saw in the video. Uh, sort of over this gray. But but however, the info on the um, uh, metadata there said that it had been changed. I didn't say exactly what was done to it, but uh, there we are. Oh, we have our guest. Anyway, to finish up with Elvis, everything I've seen is a bunch of baloney when it comes to parallel well, phenomena. Like, we great. have like a less than a minute. Okay, we have less than a minute then, so we're going to ask our guest just to hold on, and we will be right back with our guest, uh, Tom Reed and the Reed Family Abduction. Take CBS Radio The Sky with you wherever you go. Be sure to download the Radio.com app today from your mobile marketplace. And when you really want to know more, 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 be sure to visit NewSkyRadio.com. Get in deep with exclusive articles and Sky News. Get your weekly horoscope and the inside scoop on host events. Radio.com and NewSkyRadio.com. Stay connected.
the sky. Back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Call now. 248-545-SOL. New skyradio.com. Believe. And we are back. Welcome back, of course. Thomas Reed, we finally have time with us. And we've given you his bio and some basic information, and Ben's going to start our questions. Okay, uh, so, Tom, this yeah. is a really complicated story. So where, when, and how did it begin? Well, it actually began in, um, if you really trace it back to 1954, uh, with my mother. But um, with, with respect to my, my brother and I, it uh, was at a farm in... Um, Sheffield, Massachusetts, uh, off of Boardman Street, which ran parallel with Route 7. And um, I, my brother and I were a couple of years apart. I was I was six years old, and it, um, we had uh, a couple of counters there on the farm. We had a horse farm. And then in 69, and then um, pretty much after that, um, it was simply a, you know, some of the development that um, we seemed to have um, a seen or, or the documented uh, abilities that seemed to be... Uh, you know, mildly found in our children. And then, of course, uh, 2009 is what uh, refueled everything. Hmm. Okay, well, so could you tell us about your first abduction experience? Yeah, um, my my brother and I shared a room in the house. Um, we had bunk beds, and um, he had the top bunk, actually, he was younger. And what what really happened in the very beginning was more of a, what we picked up on was more of a, a restlessness or a uh, uh, a vibe in the air that um, you could uh, pretty much feel on your skin. Actually, it was we wouldn't we couldn't sleep. We um, were bothered by it, and um, we were up later than we should have been, and um, unable to sleep. And it was um, it was September of 1966, and uh, things happened kind of um, kind of quickly. Um, so it was a long time ago, but we've we've had notes and we've reflected on them a lot. But it seemed that we were just momentarily we were, we were there in uh, in a hallway outside our uh, bedroom door. There was a staircase that went down to the first floor, and we were along the side of it. And um, my, I was um, if there were there was a, a figure or being in um, in front of us that at the time we referenced as looking ghostly. It um, interesting. Didn't have any other reference at the time? And um, I was second in, in this line along the staircase. My brother was behind me, and there was a figure behind him. And um, we we were walking towards what would have been to go downstairs. And but um, next thing we know, it was it was the uh, ground just seemed to change beneath our feet, and we were at the top of our field. And we were in the corner of the property where the Appalachian Trail used to to run alongside of it. And there were some campsites in there. And at that age, we weren't allowed to be there. We, this is something that we saw later. And um, we walked by, uh, and, and actually, I, I, we were walking from what I remember. And there were a few figures that uh, kind of joined us when we got there. And um, I was first for whatever reason. I, I still to this day don't really understand why I would be walking first, but I was. And there was, um, I guess, like a calm, like a, a godlike calm that kind of... Uh, Came over my brother and I, and, and we broke through the, the line of these trees, and there was a, a large uh, a large rock or a small boulder, if you will, maybe 10 or 15 feet high and 15 or 20 feet wide. And we had walked by that, and I mentioned that because it was more like a reference point that we saw later on. And then uh, not far past that, there was a tree that split like a wishbone, and um, 
and I had seen this uh, what looked like a pile of dirt. That's how I've referenced it, and that's kind of pretty much what it looked like. It was dark, and it was huge, and, and it was uh, just a mound of what looked black to me. And um, was, uh, for, gosh, for a second time, what, what time of night was this? This was probably around, um, I'm going to say about 11 or 12. Okay. I'm sorry. Go ahead. We, we had to, no, it was okay. We we turned in about uh, 9, probably, 9.30, 10 at the latest, and this was an hour or so after. Mm-hmm. And, um, and my, my mother went to bed early. We all turned in pretty early there. And um, but, but it was light enough that you could see a little bit. And um, I came on to this thing. I Actually, the path I was walking on was a little bit higher up than this uh, drop-off where this, where this mound or craft was. And I, I stopped, and um, it was like everyone kind of caught up to me, and we were, I was kind of corralled at that point. And, um, and I don't know why I felt like I should move forward, but I, you know, it was a kind of an engaging type of feeling, and for whatever reason, and I, I stepped forward, and I, the further I had um, stepped away from everyone, and the closer I became to this, this craft, uh, the calmer um, I, be- I felt. Hmm. And I came on to it about the six-inch mark, and there was a, a figure off to the right, maybe at the ten-inch mark, that this was a foot ruler. And so I angled myself, and um, when I got to this figure, um, I had stopped. There was a um, you know, a moment there, but I don't know how long it was, but I remember looking at this figure. And the next minute I know, I was inside this, in this, um, almost like a, um, um, like a, like a hatch area, um, very soft. It was very lit up. It was about 15 feet wide by 15 feet deep. And um, there was a figure again to the left of me, which was very similar to what I saw earlier. And uh, it was kind of um, a guide to me, I guess. And I had um, walked forward and, and been taken around this corner to the right. And the odd thing was that I was first in line in the whole bit, but when I had gotten to this point, I saw my brother already. He was, he was already there and had a figure next to him, and I was taken past him to the right and walked down his hallway, which was probably, um, I'm going to guess, 15 feet or so. And when I got to the end of this hallway, which was very lit up, my son actually asked me to this day, um, you know, what um, what the hallway, how it was lit up, and, and I referenced it as looking like a glow stick. You know, kind of, to me, it was very bright. I couldn't see any shadows or anything and, as I look back on it. And when I got to the end of this hallway there was another figure that was on the left and it just seems like everyone's on the left every time I've had a, a situation or an encounter or what have you or how you want to word it it always seems to be on the left hand side where I am taken or moved or, or um, relocated if you will and I was kind of dropped off and handed off to this other figure and he had left and gone back and I was now standing in this entrance area of a very dark room and I remember looking for my brother, looking over my shoulder for him, and seeing him behind me, still quite a ways back. And um, at that point, there was um, there was uh, two tables that I noticed that were maybe 15, 10, 15 feet in front of me. Uh, one was a little bit off-center to my right, and the other was quite a ways off on my left-hand side, but they looked to resemble one another. And there was a... Um, a bean, if you will, or figure, uh, standing at each one facing forward. I wasn't able to see their the front. I was looking at them from the back. And there was one towards the front, maybe at 11 o'clock, looking my way. And um, 
I was uncomfortable. Um, there was a more like a, um, a calm feeling when I was outside, but when I was uh, when I was inside, I was much more nervous. And um, momentarily, um, you know, there was a um, you know not I'm not going to I don't really know the time frame, but I, I was calmed down for some reason. I don't know how that works. And there was a, 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 an image that came up on the screen. It was more like a, um, it looked like a star pattern that um, formed the shape of a boot or a sneaker. I used to wear Converse All-Stars back then, and that's why I referenced it. It looked like it, uh, several stars had come down the center like a high-top sneaker and then shot off to the left. And um, it was shown to me for a few seconds, I guess, um, maybe longer. And then there was this um, change of um, imagery and um, there was this large willow tree and um, very green, a lot of light coming through it, and it was moving, it was vivid, it was it covered the entire front of this, um, if you were to take a donut and cut it in thirds, it was almost like the entire front third of this donut, and um, it was just brilliant, and we had a black and white television at the time, so this was very mm -hmm. um, intriguing and, and rich and, and just uh, took my mind off my brother, and um, and I remember that to this day, and it seems to be somewhat symbolic to me for some reason. I don't know if it was the water that was around the tree, that if there was a message to me or something that I was supposed to take from all this. I don't know what it was, but it, the willow tree certainly was the was the image that I've remembered so vividly from that um, 1966 afternoon or evening. Very Do you remember any, any medical experiments? They didn't uh, implant anything? They didn't remove your lips? or Anything like this? I mean... I don't remember anything like that. I've referenced it more of like an indoctrination. Nineteen, that first time this happened with my brother, it was more of um, you know, um, you know, we're going to see you again, maybe, or we don't want you to be nervous later on, or maybe there was a lot more that took place that I don't remember, and I'm, I'm sure there probably was, but I definitely remember um, to a point. Um, again, I don't remember much after those images were shown. I know that. Um, you know, my brother remembers um, a lot more from 67, and but there wasn't anything horrific, nothing that I would say was, um, uh, you know, medical, you know, um, okay. you know, exams or anything. You know, right. you hear an awful lot of uh, of things that have happened to other people, and um, I just didn't get any of that. It was more huh. just... Um, You're lucky, yeah. All right, well, uh, and, and you went back the next day, and Ben's got a question on that. Yeah, so... um. Oh, actually, uh, we, we, we're coming up on a break now, so we better uh, prepare for that, and we'll be right back. You're listening to Behind the Paranormal on CBS New Sky Radio, NewSkyRadio.com, and we'll, we'll be right back with our guest, Tom Reed, to continue our, our fascinating discussion about the Reed family abduction case. Uh, we're in 1966 now, and we'll take it forward see where we go. So stay with us. We'll be right back. Thursday is a power-packed day here on the sky. Join us at noon for the I'm Thankful Network. At 1 p.m., it's the Dr. Pat Show. At 4 p.m., Colette Baron-Reed takes the stage for the Colette Baron-Reed Show. The Colette Baron-Reed Show, where intuition, practical spirituality, great advice, a little woo-woo fun, and fabulosity meet. Colette Baron-Reed is an internationally renowned intuitive counselor, educator, and best-selling author who helps others recognize and connect with their own intuition, potential, and purpose. Powerful motivational speaker, charismatic broadcast personality, and acclaimed performer, storyteller, and recording artist, Colette uses her extraordinary spiritual gifts to empower her clients to live a life that is awake and authentic. 
and to create a reality that is spiritual, deliberate, and meaningful. Call in early. The lines are hot. 248-545-7685. Instant feedback at NewSkyRadio.com. NewSkyRadio. NewSkyRadio.com. New Horizons, No Boundaries. Powered by CBS, Yahoo, and Radio.com. CBS Radio's The Sky. Back to Behind the Paranormal. With Paul and Ben Eno. Call now. 248-545-SOL. NewSkyRadio.com. And we're back with Tom Reed in our in-depth discussion of the Reed family abduction case that went on over a number of years. And Ben has our next question. All right. So um, when you went back to the spot the, the day after the encounter, did you see any physical evidence left over? 
not physical evidence, but and I'm not sure it was a day after. Um, it was very soon after. Um, I had um, I had a pinto, a little horse, and I rid- I took it up to the path, which is a path that I had never been on before, and I think that was what what was so um, interesting at the time. And I, I went up to the corner of this property, and we weren't allowed to go up there because we were so young. My mother wouldn't let us ride up there because if somebody fell or what have you, there'd be no way for anyone to know. And um, I had taken my horse and gone up to that same corner of the property, and there was that rock that I had mentioned earlier, boulder, if you will, that is why I mentioned it um, moments ago, is that that was the first time I had really seen it other than that night. And then, of course, I saw the um, that wishbone-looking tree that and, and uh, the area where it was. So that, to me, was what was re- really drove it home. Mm, okay. Now, um, so your stepfather doesn't seem to have been a part of this. So, yeah, it was your mother and your grandmother, but but not your stepfather. Yeah. So where what were where was he during all this? Well, my my mother and my mother had just um, really met my um, my stepfather uh, around that time, and he used to come up periodically and and visit. And and they actually met uh, with uh, he was actually hiking when they first met. And um, he was from um, Patchogue, Long Island. And uh, it was about that time that the, um, you know, he still had family in the area, too. So, you know, they would meet, and, and that was really the when they first, um, you know, got together, if you will. And he, he was the only one in the family that really didn't have any firsthand experiences, but he really didn't come into the picture until much later. Okay. Well, that's, that's a good answer to that. Now, uh, Tom, reports on this case say that at least in those initial days, you felt as though you were being indoctrinated, and you mentioned very clearly that you felt uh, calm in this situation, at least in most uh, cases. Um, indoctrinated, that's an interesting word. That implies that um, uh, these people knew you uh, and had plans for you. Okay. Now, most abductees don't enjoy the courtesy of an explanation, so right. what was it about all this in your family's case? What was the story here? Well, that's something that we have talked about collectively for for a number of years, and and, and we feel we really have a, a handle on what, what happened, but then again, it's it's only our opinion. I mean, what, what happened with my mother in 1954 in, in Maine was the fourth week of, of June, which Robert Blackman, who who investigated our case, um, was the first person to investigate our case, found some references to other accounts and, and sightings and so on, like that uh, James Howard um, flight and so on, that took place not too far away at that same week, if you will. And and when you look back at what took place with my mother and, and her friend in, in, in Maine in 54, and then what took place with my brother and I in 66, and of course in 67, um, it, it almost looked like to us that it was it was going to happen one way or another, that it was just a matter of time. And being that we don't remember anything horrific or or horrible or anything in, in the first time around, it was almost as if it was just, a, for lack of a better description, um, an icebreaker. Yeah. And, um, okay. Yeah. Uh, how, all right. How long was it before you were abducted again, according to your memory? About a year later. About a year later. Okay. And you were how old? It's been around, I'm sorry. I'm saying you were how old? 
Uh, seven. Is that seven. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then, oh, go ahead. What was what was the uh, what was the story there? Well, well, there there was also a pattern to when this took place, which was it was always in the fall, October, September, October. Huh. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, what happened the second time? Well, well, you know, you know. Before we even get to that, I'm very I'm fascinated by your. your your description of the the entities as uh, ghost-like or or ghostly. Could, could you? And I'll tell you why I ask because we are okay. constantly running, even in our own cases, running into people who believe their house is haunted, and it turns out that it's greys or vice versa. Mm-hmm. And we're wondering if if it, if it is the context of people's experience that make them think it's ghosts and or aliens, you know, or, or if it's um, there is some sort of identity there between these creatures, whatever they may be, and what we often think of as ghosts. So I know that, that that's a question that's still open. So could you could you just tell us more about what they look like in that sense? Well, when my, my brother and I first, it's kind of strange. It, um, there's, there's, it, it, it's a feeling that you, that you pick up on immediately, and it's very strong. And, and to give you an idea, even later on, when this took place with us, crickets um, ignited just all at once. Um, I mean, you can actually feel something happening on your skin. It's almost like we, we've referenced magnetic fields or something of that nature that you can actually pick up on. Yeah, we feel I, the same thing. What happened, yeah, I think what happens is you, just before this takes place, there's a, there's a vibe that you, you pick up on, and whether or not they're there and you don't see them or what have you, I obviously can't really say but except that it's almost as if it's a almost a silhouette of something that that you don't you sit you sit there and you and you just know something's there but you don't actually see it and whether or not it is or not you feel that way and then when my brother and I first um saw this it was almost as if it was um what like um not really some of the grays you see that they're not not like uh, it's almost as if they're hooded, and they, everyone they all look alike pretty much when they're outside really? the craft. They all very okay. very similar, is and and whatever it is they're wearing or have on them emits a little bit of a, a glow. And back then, I, I say ghostly because we did go to church back then. We we were active in this, you know, in that way, and it was the only reference we had. And I look back on it now, and basically what we remember was at the top of the field once we were near the or inside the craft if you will there was no more um, glowing there was no more of this ghostly appearance so i don't know if it's something that is important to them to you know for um you know for protection purposes or what have you but it did look um very ghostly to us but only at the time we first saw them around this time of this of this odd feeling that you picked up on Outside of that, no. So maybe it came from them. I don't know. I don't know. It's just there's something. Having read the Mufon reports on this case, and uh, given our own experience, which again is mostly involved with quote unquote ghost research, that usually turns out to be something much greater than that. That we just there's something different about this case. That is that, that really makes it stand out, and that's well, of course we're just why we're, we're on uh, we're dedicating two shows to examining this. Um, okay, let's leave that for the time being and get back to the actual experience of the second abduction. Could you just take us take us through through the second experience, nineteen sixty seven? Sure, um, you're seven years old. This was 
very unique in the way that four of us were in, 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 the, in the home and all witnessed something different at different times. So this is something that I think you might find a lot, very interesting. What, again, I was in the bottom bunk. My younger brother was on the top. And it was very similar, to, you know, the same room, same bunk, same room. Uh, around the same time, too, October, maybe September. And um, it was there was a lot of... Um, Lightning and, and that sort of thing it was like a storm was coming, if you if you will. And my mother had come in um, to shut the window. We had a brook behind our our house, and we used to leave the window open on those on particular nights for a breeze, if you will. And you're and still in Sheffield, Mass. At this point. Yeah, the same house. And okay. She came in and and, and um, she shut the window, and um, and had said, I think it's going to pass. I don't hear any thunder, which is why I named my horse Thunder, which is the only reason I really remember that. But <laughs> um, So uh, shortly afterward, um, you know, my brother was, um, again, there was this uh, restless, uneasy feeling. And, um, and we had a clock. I had the clock next to the room, and I remember looking at that and um, realizing we couldn't, we couldn't go to sleep. And... and um, there was a closet in there. We kept looking at the closet, wondering what was going on with that. You know, was there something that we were supposed to be, you know, why were we nervous? Is there something, you know, that kind of a feeling again. And um, next thing I, I remember, there was um, what looked like lights outside our window. It almost looked like a maybe. Okay, I'll have to stop you there, Tom. I'm sorry, we have another break coming up. So uh, we will be right back to continue the narrative with Tom Reed and the Reed Family Abduction Case. You're listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on CBS New Sky Radio, NewSkyRadio.com. We'll be right back. Stay with us. CBS Radio The Sky and NewSkyRadio.com are presented only for entertainment purposes, and no guarantee is made for the accuracy or suitability of any advice or other information offered. Go your heart, let go your head, and fail 
Psychic Radio is now CBS Radio's The Sky. Back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Call now. 248-545-SOUL. NewSkyRadio.com. Believe. Welcome back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. And we are talking with Tom Reed about his amazing experiences in his childhood and abductions and all this wonderful, well, it's not so (laughs) wonderful, all this very fascinating stuff. So let's give it back to you, Tom. How, uh, where were we? Well, we we, we were in the the middle of describing the Ah, beginning of the second second abduction, Sheffield, Massachusetts, 1967, and Tom had set the stage for us, electrical storm, and the lights appeared outside the window, and that's where we left off. Yes. Take it away, Tom. Okay. Yeah, pretty much. That, that's what it was like. There was um, a, a storm, and uh, the window was being shut by my mother. And and uh, I don't know, maybe um, 40 minutes after that, somewhere in there, um, there was a uh, what looked like to us um, almost like a ball of light. And we, my brother and I, referenced first a coffee can or frisbee, or what have you. But it was outside the the window, and we were staring at it. And there was it's almost as if. Um, it shot into the window in some way or engulfed the room. There was uh, just a, a flash, almost like a that of a, a camera flash. But what I remembered was almost just uh, almost like being absorbed in a, in a huge ocean wave for a second, and, and that's really the last thing that that I remembered uh, until later on. My my brother, um, his um, how he remembers this is he was talking to me and and. Um, I was no longer there. He climbed down the, uh, the the ladder, and he remembered hearing some noises or rattling of what what have you, and, and had run out the uh, the bedroom door and started screaming, you know, Tom's gone, Tom's gone, and had uh, run into my my mother's room, which is basically just across the way uh, from the we were upstairs, and her bedroom was right across the hallway, and had um, come in to try to wake her. And at the time, my grandmother. Um, Marion was actually sharing the the master with my mother because we had a, a relative that was ill um, from uh, Long Island who was had taken over her room. So my grandmother and my mother were in that room at the same time, and he ran. He couldn't wake either one of them up, and uh, he had uh, been trying. He was pushing my mother and, and and so on and so forth. And then he had seen what he remembers as being the same, pretty much the same figures that he saw earlier actually in the house again and um, kind of climbed in bed with my mother and was trying to push her to wake. There was no way he was going to wake her up. And um, he actually saw these figures come into the room um, and uh, then they, they left the room, but he see, did see them come into the room. And at that point, they, when they had what he thinks went down the hallway, my mother came out of it, and, and she got up, and he started to explain to her that I was gone. She, obviously in a panic, you know, runs in towards our bedroom with my with my younger brother. And then what they heard was, according to my mother, my grandmother, and my younger brother, they heard what sounded like doors slamming, although the door didn't physically slam, but they heard what sounded like a door slamming. And then my younger brother was, was gone as well. And this is where it gets kind of weird. Um... Not that that wasn't, but, <laughs> but this is this is what what happened. And um, 
I was in this same hallway that I referenced earlier. I was at this, where this lit up hallway stopped and joined this darker, darker room. Now, what I remember is that I, my brother wasn't there, and the first time I was there, he, I could see him. And maybe that's why I felt a little more comfortable. But for whatever reason, I didn't see him, and I was, I remember being a little, um, you know, um, I don't know, I wasn't cooperating, I, I guess. I, I just remember that some um, friction. And the next thing I know, my, my younger brother's there, and then we together, I guess, calmed down or, or were easier to, um, to work with or whatever it was that they had in mind. But once my brother was with me, I was more cooperative. I guess. Mm -hmm. and I'm not so cooperative sure. with what? What were they doing? Well, well, at the time, I was just standing in this doorway area, but I wasn't, um, I remember, you know, whereas kind of, I'm like looking for my brother, and I guess they brought, you know, this is what's really strange about this. You know, people say to me, well, do you think they have any compassion or what have you? Was there? And I'm, I'm thinking that they brought him to me for that reason, maybe the, because it would make me relax. I don't know. Maybe he was just to come later on. Maybe he was brought for a reason. It's, obviously, I can't say for sure. Hmm. But at the time, I was nothing was really taking place. I was just standing in this doorway. But once he got to me, we were separated. I was walked through this darker room. I went around uh, to the left, which had another hallway very similar to the one I was standing in. Almost matched it, I think, although I only saw the first part of it. And he was taken back down his hallway and into another room. Okay. Tom, I'm afraid I'm going to have to stop you. We're out of time, which is why we spread this over two shows. So uh, we're going to continue tomorrow. Uh, ben will tell you when and where here. And, okay. um, All right. So part two of our discussion with Tom Reed will continue tomorrow at 6 p.m. Eastern on our Boston slash Province Drive Time Edition on WON 1240 AM Radio. And full information is available at BehindTheParanormal.com, certainly on this show and others. And we have over 300 free podcasts on that uh, on that website and uh, scattered elsewhere, too. So, Tom, thank you so much. We will talk to you tomorrow, and uh, we will be in touch also after this show to make sure we have the right phone numbers uh, here, and we'll have an alternate phone number for you tomorrow. You so we'll on? continue our discussion. Uh, I'm sorry? You want me to hold on, then? Uh, yeah, yeah, why don't you hold on, and okay. we'll talk to you uh, okay. off the air about just to make sure we're, we're square good. on that. Okay, so anyway, just a few brief announcements. If you live in South Eastern New England, check out uh, southcoastlearning.org, where you're teaching a class at the Learning Connection in Providence on exploring the paranormal. It's really different, as you can imagine. Next session begins February 11th, so check that out. Also, you can get my books and many others, of course, on Barnes & Noble Nook and, and Kindle as well. And uh, you could also check everything out, as we say, on BehindTheParanormal.com, future guests, past guests. And we just uh, passed our 300th show last week uh, here on CBS. And we wanted to let you know that that also is up there as a podcast. So, so many thanks to our producer, Will Cosmic. And we won't see you live for two weeks because it will be Christmas and then New Year's Day. But we'll be back on January 8th with an open line show and you can always get free podcasts of yeah. as we said but we just keep reminding people behind the paranormal.com Hanukkah begins in two days here is a quote from someone you probably never heard of Hannah Senesh one of 37 incredibly brave Hungarian Jews who left Palestine during World War II for commando training with the British 
They then parachuted into Eastern Europe to help other Jews who were being persecuted by the Nazis. Talk about guts. I'll bet you never knew that. Anyway, Hannah said, quote, Blessed is the match consumed in kindling flame. Blessed is the flame that burns in the secret fastness of the heart. Happy Hanukkah. Thanks for joining us on our great cosmic journey, and we will see you next time.